From Relay FM, this is the Pan Addict, episode 310. Today's show is brought to you by Away. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. Hey, Mike Hurley. How are you? Good, my man. Good, my man. Busy. <laughs> Woof. So busy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So oh. we're both hitting the road mm-hmm. very soon, and that makes for busy weeks for for us, doesn't it? Yeah, this is my like my biggest work trip of the year. I'm heading to Apple's WWDC uh, mm-hmm. conference in San Jose next week. Mm-hmm. Li- well, I'm actually leaving on Saturday. We're doing our biggest live show ever, Brad. We have over 500 nice. people um, coming to see us, which I'm really excited about. So, yeah, got a lot on my plate. One of these years, I'll have to forego a pin show to go to WWDC just for the mm-hmm. RelayCon aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be fun. That that's on my hit list for one of these one of these years. But it's like I don't have enough to do otherwise, so I just have to make like a maybe you know the fa- make a family trip out there and spend a day doing the relay thing, and then then just do the San Francisco stuff otherwise. Because well, I don't really need to well do welcome. WWDC. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate the invite. So uh, I'll be crashing with you uh, next week. Once I get back, we're just going to fly out of Raleigh. Yep. And uh, me, me and the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll make space well, for you. I think we have a pull-out sofa bed type thing in our room. So hey, I'll, I'll sleep anywhere. We'll like, you I, I, I don't need uh, fancy accommodations. So, yeah. So, yeah, I am heading to Raleigh, leaving tomorrow morning. I'll get there probably late afternoon, early evening. Uh, depending on travel time, it has been raining in and around the southeast for several weeks straight. It's going to be a continuous wet trip, I mm-hmm. think, uh, this weekend and during the show. So hope everyone arrives safe and sound to the Triangle Pen Show if you're traveling into it. So be careful, I'm on please. The, I'm on the website, the Triangle Pen Show website. This website uh, has a lot of information on it, which is really good. But mm-hmm. it... They've made some very particular decisions that I don't think I agree with of the design mm. of this website. <laughs> I'm going to go with unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> and um, I'm going to tell you this right now. Mm-hmm. It's better than last year's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so okay. I don't know how, but somehow it, they've changged it enough to manage an well, improvement. They, but they get it is the unique. necessary information award, right? They, they win that. Correct. That's very important to have all the necessary information, but uh, I think somebody needs to to just mm. help them out just slightly with the design. Yeah, hashtag GeoCities, right? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. mm. it's got yeah, it's got that vibe. <laughs> but hey ho, look, at the end of the day, obviously, this is. I'm just going to assume this is made by someone who, like this. Isn't something that is mega important to them, or, that, or something that they're not like a hundred percent sure how to do. Would be my expectation. But the most important thing is information on these types of websites, and yes. they have provided that, and, and that's really good. I think that's really, really good. This is par for the course in the pin show world, mm-hmm. um, except the information is actually up-to-date and accurate, so that's yeah. always appreciated. So yeah, I'm, I'm bringing Knock. I packed up the shop Monday. I don't know how heavy this bag is that I packed, but I way overpack on shows that I drive to because you can. So I'll be bringing all the goodies. We'll have the new chimney tops and sapelos, and I'll have the kids in tow. So they will be uh, slinging Notco goods um, all weekend long. They're really excited. Um, 
we have a couple fun things planned with them uh, to do while we're at the show. So it's going to be fun. Be sure to come by and say hi. And uh, we'd love to see you hang out at the show. And uh, yeah, we don't have any like after hours events plans, but I'm sure we'll be, you know, hanging out at the bar like we did last year and just chit chatting and uh, having a good time. So I'm, I look forward to it. It's been um, almost two months, month and a half since Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've missed being at a pin show. So I'm ready for this one. Should be fun. So do you, do you need me when I get there? Do you need me to buy you a Sailor Stormy Sea, or were you were you in on this one or out on this one? I was like undecided on the Stormy mm-hmm. Sea, and I think I still mostly am. Um, I feel like that I'm the, like the inverse for you with the Tangerine, where I'm kind of just mm-hmm. like so so on it, and then maybe when I hold it, like I'll feel differently. I I didn't mm-hmm. know. So like Susan did a great review on your blog and. I didn't know that the Stormy Sea had like kind of a glittery effect to it. And like maybe if I see that, that might tip me over the edge. Um, but this would be an in-person purchase because I'm not I'm not dying for this one, to be honest. Yeah, that's what actually confused me about this pen. And I guess in a good way, like I, it, the images, it, it came out so fast. Like it just appeared out of the ether. And we mentioned it, you know, a week or two ago that mm-hmm. it existed. And then I got to see one when I was at Drum Goals. I was like, oh, this is different than just some of the flat solid colors that they released, like the Fresca and the gray and even the orange. This one has, um, some yeah, depth. like you said, it's got, yeah, it's got some depth to it. It's got the, uh, the chatoyance, which I don't even, that's like my least favorite fountain pen word. It's, that's like the, what, uh, what does the, that mean? Yeah. I don't even know if I said it right. Cause I hate that word. Uh, Susan's a big fan of the word, but it means like the, the, like that swirl of color that you see in the different light lighting. Right. Like as you rotate it. Okay. Yeah. Chatoyancy. So is an optical reflectance effect seen in certain gemstones. That's what Wikipedia mm-hmm. tells me. But when you see if you've if you've ever seen like Tiger's Eye, like mm-hmm. that's that is a good example mm-hmm. of chatoyancy. Yeah. Yeah. So this pen looks great now that we've I've gotten to lay hands on it and Susan actually captured it pretty well in the picture. She's a really good photographer. Um, This is a hard one, another hard one to photograph. So Mm -hmm. take a look at that one. If you're interested in seeing like what this pin is, because it's not as flat as the other words, other ones that are uh, available recently. Yeah, I like it, Um, but I like it too. I just, like I said, when we first mentioned it, like I said, I'm holding out for the ocean. Like I'm definitely getting the ocean. See, this is one of those things where um, because of how many different designs Sailor make and how wild and wonderful they can be, it makes me like less inclined to get something like this because mm. I've seen like millions more amazing ones, including like a couple of days ago, there was some, I think it was some Instagram post that me and you got tagged in. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was on Twitter or something of this just like wild looking Sailor Pro gear that I think we've seen, we've maybe seen before. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, see if I can try I and mean, find it. So we're going to talk about this later. This is actually one of the reasons why I put this this part in here now because we're going to talk about what I think that I can't even answer your question accurately because there's so many of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where I saw it now. The past day or two, I've seen the creamsicle one posted twice, which is an orange barrel and white end caps, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. amazing. But I, I don't think that's the one you're talking about. No, it's it was like a sparkly one or something. 
and now yeah. I can't I can't find it now. That's frustrating. <laughs> well, did you find the new Pin Chalet Argo Retro Fifty One? Yeah, I saw this. I, I saw them teasing it on Instagram and, and checked it out. I think yesterday. This is a really interesting looking Retro Fifty One. Like it's it's pretty high concept. Um, it's based on some Greek mythology, but set mm-hmm. in the future. It's a per- it, like I assume that this this design came from Pen Chalet, and like if so, like Ron's getting out there, man. He's got some <laughs> he's got some ideas going on. This was, it was a huge surprise. Like yeah. I'm like, wait, what is happening here? <laughs> you know, <coughs> excuse me. I just saw the um, the barrel uh excuse me the packaging image right with the Mm -hmm. the space theme and argo and i didn't put anything together i'm like what is this i had to go read and see what it's about but it's a you know mythology story based futuristic you know around jason and the argonauts and you know that's an old you know an old mythology and a current well recent ish movie you know tv so yeah this was uh some thought went into this one Mm -hmm. and you know I'm not buying this one. Like I, I've bought too many retro 51s, but it's kind of cool. The design, I think they'll probably do pretty well. So it, it's like we get, we're the unofficial retro 51 podcast. Now it's like, we got to mention these cool new things, but uh, yeah, that's, that's one to check out. It caught me off guard for sure. Yeah. There's two colors. There's like two variant colors and they're limited to 250 each. 250 mm-hmm. pieces each. So if this is your bag, go get one. I'm in the same boat as you. I've bought, maybe too many recently. Um, and mm-hmm. I like the look of this one, but I'm not dying for it. Yeah. Right. I love the, I love the, the pins came out great. Like I mm-hmm. love that look to me. Like I, I don't know enough about the Jason and, and the Argonauts story. When I see the pins, I just think like Battlestar Galactica and that's kind of exactly. rad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think yeah. that this, there's obviously some high concept going on here, right? Like I don't think anybody would look at that and mm-hmm. be like, Oh, that's Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. 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 Which is good. Like I think they, I think they kind of nailed what they were trying to do. So yeah, I can't, I can't wait to share the one I'm working on. It, it might fall in the high concept category, and everyone might this, hate it. Every, uh, uh-uh, everyone might hate it. Um, but I'm okay with it because <laughs> because I'm pretty happy with it. So uh, I might just have 500 of these for myself. <laughs> keep me keep me in in stock for the the rest of my lifetime. But yeah, I'll share it as soon as I get the prototype in. Um, it's, it's in process. So in about a month, I'll have the prototype and we'll share it out, share it out then. But yeah, you want to see high concept? I've got your high concept coming, Mike. Okay. Okay. I'll keep my eye out. You know where I can fit 500 retro 51s, Mike? <laughs> where? In, in away luggage. That's where. Most definitely. This episode is brought to you by Away. They are a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers who make smart premium suitcases. So your luggage won't have to cost you more than your plane ticket. If you are if you ever travel, I know this happens to me every time I travel. I know it's going to happen to me in a couple of days. I'm going to be like, oh man, I've drained my phone battery. Like, how do I do this? Every time I travel, I'm, my battery of all my devices is used way faster than normal. And when I'm traveling, what I always need is more battery. And if you have an away suitcase, if you have an away carry-on, you're going to be fine because both of their away carry-ons feature USB ports with a battery included that's large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. It's a fantastic battery. You can easily pop it out as well. Like, So if you, if you want to check your luggage, you can do that. And then you can still have the battery with you when you board the plane. So you can still uh, use the battery to charge your devices whilst you're in flight. It's awesome. It's really, really great. You can go to away travel.com 
Audible.com slash penaddict right now. And you can browse Always Suitcases. They feature premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. As well as their two sizes of carry-on, there's also a medium, large, and a kid's carry-on. They have lots of options of sizes and tons of colors, over 10 colors, and they're always adding new styles. I got one of the aluminium ones. And I am in love with it. Like, I am just in love with it. I've always seen... Yeah, you brought people, that one to Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've always seen yeah. people with these, like, you're in, like, an airport and you see someone with aluminium luggage. It's all dented and stuff, right? Because that's what happens to it. Like, it will get <laughs> dented. But that's part of the appeal of a case like that. And, oh, man, I love it. All of Away's suitcases have a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're an overpacker, along with four 360-degree spinner wheels. All of their carry-ons are compliant with major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount that you can pack. And they have TSA combination locks built in. So if you get a TSA check, they won't bust your suitcase open. They can just use this combination, the TSA lock, which is awesome. They also feature a removable washable laundry bag so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones. This has totally changed the way that I deal with packing and unpacking because I now do this where like all the clothes that I wear that, that I want to wash when I get home, I put inside of the laundry bag, zip up the laundry bag, put it in my case. Then when I get home, I unzip the laundry bag and dump it into the hamper. And then everything else that's left in the case can either be put back in the wardrobe or is not clothes. It's, I love it. I, I really, really love that. It's such a simple thing, but it's awesome. <laughs> so... How many times over the past year have I asked you for our, our away code? Many times. <laughs> many times. I'm like determined to buy one and then I'll go and then I'll go, oh, I just don't need it. It's, 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 you know, I, I, I've got my carry system down. I, I don't need it. And every time I travel, all I want is the rolling check-in, mm-hmm. <laughs> the check-in luggage. Like I'm like almost desperate for it. So even last night, Mike, <laughs> I went to a way site to start like building out what I was going to buy because you know I'm also going to London this week this year and I'm going to need to pack a lot of stuff like a lot more than I normally carry you know mm-hmm. just for for the trip and I think it's it's finally time for me to get my away luggage what I found out last night is when you buy multiple pieces the discounts just start rolling off so that's what's finally put me over the edge so oh. I'm going to pick my colors I'm going to pick my colors tonight get it ordered, um, get it for um, myself and my wife to travel with. And also, it's going to help me with my travel that I don't check a bag. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal here. I've been carrying my Tom Ben Aeronaut 45, which is one of the best purchases I have ever made. But when I take that as my carry-on, I still also carry a backpack. So I have my hands full. Right, so I have my backpack on my back, and I carry the aeronaut, and I would like to have a rolling bag. So this is it, Mike. I'm doing it for real this time. I'm going to buy my luggage tonight, and I will show you what I what I purchase once once we're done. I just got to pick the color. That's the hard thing. There's like ten colors. I'm not getting the aluminium ones. I'm getting one of the indestructible ones. Let me help you, Brad. Just go to awaytravel.com slash penaddict and use the code penaddict at checkout and you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. Um, Away also have a lifetime guarantee on their products. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. And they have a 100-day a trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any orders of in the lower 48 states of the U.S. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your, your phone. Once again, that's awaytravel.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict for 20 
$5 off. Our thanks to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's uh let's get deep for a moment, at All least, right. you know, right under the surface, which is about as far as I go, you know, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a superficial guy. guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah, I'm not a I'm not a core of the earth guy. Um I was on the BYOB pen club last week. Mm-hmm. Is the show out this week? I know I get the show out early. So uh it is not out yet, so it should be out in like a day or two, I think. We'll put the link in the show notes to the main page. You can go listen to it. But I was we were going through the show and we were just talking and uh Yevgeny, one of the hosts there, you know, we're going through, you know, the general show notes. Like we have a show doc and you have a general idea of what you're gonna talk about. You know, just it's nice to prep and you know, have a little idea what you're gonna speak about. Then he goes, Oh, I've got a question for you, Brad, that's not in the in the show notes. I'm like, Okay, what is this? Like I'm expecting, you know, like, you know, what is your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> you know, something something simple I can handle on the fly. And he goes, where do you see the stationary industry in the next three or five years? <laughs> and I just giggled at him. I was like, you're really just going to drop that on me out of the blue like that. No prep or anything. And I did okay. Like, I'm, I am I like to talk. It was funny. I had a, I, I busted his chops a little bit. Um, and uh, saying, wow, like no prep for that one, huh? So I rambled as I do, as I'm doing right now. And, you know, got some of my ideas out on that episode. And it made me think like over the next day or two is I think there's a lot of topics I can elaborate on. So I did that in the Panatic Members newsletter. And I know not everyone gets that. And I thought it was a good enough topic that I thought we should share where I see the industry right now, the stationary industry as a whole, and where do I see it in, you know, in the next three, five, ten years. So what do you think about that? You think we should we should dig into this, right? I feel like yeah. we should. I read Refill, um, so I, I, I'm interested to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. So we, the episode number 28 of BYOB is out. We'll have the link in the show notes. Um, so go check my answers there. I need to go re-listen to it and see what I even said. Um, but I think I, I kind of said the same things. And I broke it down when I wrote about it into several sections. So the first one, which is kind of the most important one in my book, it's the reason why we're here today, honestly. Um, it's the reason why the blog has been so successful. It's online retail. The retailers that are successful in this space, like Goulet pins, jet pins, cult pins, Van S pins, Anderson pin chalet. I mean, I'm going to leave someone out. I'm not, I'm not meaning to, this is the core of the industry right now from the perspective of my chair, right? From where I'm sitting, this is the core of the industry. These are the people who do the most, have the most, put the most into it, you know, work the hardest, you know, on the edge of what, you know, current consumers are looking for in the market. And since they, a lot of them have been established over the last five to 10 years, they kind of have this space on lockdown, right? I think it's really hard to be the next jet pins or or Goulet pens right now because they're so big. Like they're just large, large companies. And the hard thing about breaking in is they're good companies, right? These are not 
big bad companies like we would think of maybe some like traditional old you know not in our industry brick and mortar you know uh, tr- traditional companies like well I hate a I hate Comcast so I can go to AT&T like there's no bad players in this industry which is great it's good for all of us and starting your own online store right now I'd be a nervous wreck like I think you can do it right I, I looked at a lot of this from would I open a business in this space? That's kind of the the lens I took this, um, took this this article through, and I could see starting an on- online retailer. But you are really up against it. What do you What do you think about like the online retail space? I think we're in a really good spot as consumers and as businesses they're going to continue to grow the bigger ones are just going to get bigger but they're getting bigger because they do the right things around education about products and you know social communication and sharing i I think just they do so many good things they're so big they're only going to keep growing what do you think well i mean kind of there's two parts i think to what you're asking me i mean one i completely agree on the importance of online i think that as a sales channel now i mean it's clear but i think it's become even more so that online sales for stationary equipment is the main sale for any company that wants to grow now you know mm-hmm. like we had a good conversation i think with lisa at, um at the pen show right about this very thing right like yes. van s is a store it's always been a store and they were very stuck in their ways and it took them a long time to get a a, a credible online presence but when they did change their business like basically overnight because now people from all over the world could buy products from Vaness not just people that live in Arkansas right like they're in Arkansas right right little rock little rock that's it yeah so you know that that makes a huge huge difference and of course one of the other things is is companies like yours right that like there's no other way for knock to exist they're just it's just right. cuz now now you supply other retailers and that's a whole business but you wouldn't have ever gotten there unless you were able to start your own online thing first right and we're definitely going to get to that like yeah. i think that's a different category so we're going to talk about that yeah okay but like i believe that that online online stuff is that's that's the that should be in my opinion the core of of any anyone trying to be in this business right now but you also said mm-hmm. about like how hard is it like is it too difficult now like would you start something today this is the exact same problem that exists in any successful because of growth industry like Mm -hmm. the more something becomes popular the harder it is to be successful at it like i see this Mm -hmm. with podcasting now right like now that podcasting is this big hot place where all the eyeballs and money is it is harder Mm -hmm. than ever ever to start a show and be successful, right? Like it's the same with YouTubers, any type of creative endeavor, really. The more people there are focused on it, the more people there are doing it. And then you have to stand out in in different ways and rather than just being somebody who does it. Like for me, I don't think I could start this business that I have now if I started today. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that like after four years, I would be where I am now or where I got to after four years, right? Like to be able to right. make it part of my living, you know, the success being 
where I am now, where I am a, a professional podcaster, that's what I do. I think that that would be significantly harder for me to do today. But I had a, a head start because I was doing it when it was mostly just technology and public radio. Like, and that was it, all it was. But public radio were just rebroadcasting uh, the stuff that was on, on the airwaves. So it wasn't really that appealing. You know, so yeah. That's kind of how I feel. Like, yes, you can do it. And yes, you can be a success at it. And if you are successful, there is more uh, success available to you than there ever has been before, mm -hmm. right? Because more people care about it. But it's way harder to get to that point because there are lots of people that want to be just like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I a lot of these topics that we're going to cover, I get lots of emails about these types of things. And, you know, it's it's hard to answer, you know should I start a business and you know, what's the right thing to do. And one of those areas I've actually gotten more emails about traditional retail, like your brick and mortar stores. I've gotten more people interested in opening that type of store than necessarily being an online retailer. And that's an extremely tough market. Yeah. Right? I, I think mean, that's like, it's a bad idea. Like to, to go from nothing to, to physical store seems like, that just seems like a bad idea. Like, yes, yeah. Caroline Weaver did it, but sure. she's like the 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 you know the exception that makes the rule. Yeah, and that's the that's the tough part. As I do think there is a place for more traditional retail. Yeah, yeah, but, but I think it needs to be an extension of a business you already own. So, like, yeah, you're able to actually establish yourself first. I think that's the important part. Yeah, you know, I look at someone like Wonderpins in Toronto, who I mm -hmm. mentioned when I wrote it up that, you know, they started small, you know, lived above the shop, you know, just poured everything they had into it and made it and made it successful just by sheer will and, and talent. Um, and I think that can be done in other places if it's managed correctly. I don't see any, no one's going to go and drop, you know, a Vanessa pins in, I don't know, Atlanta, Georgia, you know, a, a shop that big and have that scale and be successful right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. I could see growing from something small and really focusing on the community around, you know, the new shop opening because that's what makes these shops successful. You know, like Drum Ghouls in Van Ness and Anderson Pens is, you know, they. Anderson's in their online reputation and pen show world reputation and then Vanessa and Dromgulls in their just familial reputation in the communities. That's how they've grown up from where they were, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago mm -hmm. into what they are now. So I, but like the burdens of traditional retail are so high before you even sell your first pen, right? There's rent and lease and utilities and insurance and employees. Exactly. And you you haven't you haven't even sold a Lamy Safari yet, and you're that much into it already. That's the hard part overcoming that. And as well, like you can't do that while still you you can't do that as a side business. That isn't a side business, right? Like you can't set up a physical store as your side thing. Like that right. has to be your thing thing. Full time, right? and but the, yep. and the benefit of an online store is you can kind of make it your side thing, especially if you're starting out. Mm -hmm. Like that is a thing that you can do. Like that, mm -hmm. you know, you yeah, you can manage that, right? Right. 
I think we're going to see a little bit of activity in the traditional market in the next five or 10 years from us in a small scale, local community kind of shifting. way. It was shifting. Like, yeah. Like I know there's a shop in Seattle that's going to open soon. Um, you know, I can see smaller, you know, just kind of, you know, less than a thousand square feet, like local shops opening up, which is like how Wonderpen started. So, mm-hmm. I, it's not going to be a huge growth area because just the overheads are so it, it's tough to overcome. Then you're competing against online retail too. But yeah, if especially you can because make, like if you're starting a physical store, you're going to need an online store anyway. Like yes, so it's, absolutely. You know, it's, it's like at that point. I mean, that's what makes it difficult because like at that mm-hmm. point, why do you have the store? And and there are lots of reasons why you might want to do it. Right? We speak about them, and you've been talking about mm-hmm. them, like the community aspect. But it makes the decision to start your business that way a lot harder, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the next group is the one that I fall into with Knock. It's the small batch and custom makers. Like this is what we've seen boom right alongside the online retail is small batch and custom goods. Knock, Field Notes, you know, right story supply, Jonathan Brooks, yep. right notepads, everything. Kanalea. People just start. Yeah, yeah. This is a big growth area over the past 10 years. It's probably going to continue to be that way. hundred percent small niche dedicated products. This is where you get around opening that online retail store or traditional retail store by making one thing and making it well. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, knock makes pen cases, you know, we have, we have other products, but we essentially we're known for doing one company. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're known for doing one thing and doing it well. And that's been successful for us. You know, field notes does one thing and they do it well, write notepads. Jonathan Brooks does one thing and he does it really well. And you just end up building this base of customers. Mm-hmm. Um, the, larger retails now want to carry your stuff and that's where i think the real inroads is you know there's a lot more pin makers coming out the, right and kickstarter the, yeah kickstarter's kickstarter help took away all of, of the risk right like that, yeah, the, that's what that did i think i think that that for me honestly like we have seen an insurgence and just a compl- just like an explosion of, in this area i think over the time that we have mm-hmm. been doing the show for the last 6 years or whatever that there has been just a huge huge growth in this small batch indie like i make this one thing look how great it is i have some cool idea type thing and i genuinely believe that that has happened because of kickstarter like that has been the thing that has either enabled people to do it or change the mindset of people in such a way that you can pull it off right so like even if you don't use kickstarter i think it's changed some of the attitudes about the types of things that people make and buy and like the story behind a product and all that kind of stuff i think kickstarter has been like one of the the big reasons why we're in this situation that we're in now and right yeah so i think that that is just a huge element of it right right so yeah, and I see no end in that, right? There's no. continual need for, you know, these types of small things to solve problems, to fit people's tastes and desires, and they'll continue to be filled. And, uh, yeah, I, I just see it, you know, continuing to grow. I mentioned in Refill that, you know, think about the perspective the percentage of your spending and how much it has gone to this category over the last couple of years. And I'd have a feeling it's probably a lot, right? 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that brings us into the big brands. Like this is an area like I don't. One thing I, I want to, I'll, I'll stop and say this right now is this is the view from my chair. Like I don't have knowledge of all these operations of all these companies and how they work. This is just my perception of being in the industry and talking to people and having my own business. It's, this is my, you know, my perception of what I think. I certainly, you know, will, you know, give it to the, the other experts and business owners if they would like to chime in, um, and, and correct, you know, where I'm, I'm mistaken. Uh, I would love to hear from anyone who wants to add to this conversation. Um, but back to the big brands, this is where I get confused a little bit, just as far as how they're going to continue to grow and succeed because they're growing and succeeding big time. So I mentioned two brands in the article, Pelican and Sailor, and they both confuse me in their own right. Pelican has, I, I the, the anecdote I, I told was about me being in drum goals and seeing literally every Pelican pin you would see in a Pelican catalog, mm-hmm. every size, every style, every shape, essentially all their striped models in fountain, rollerball, ballpoint, pencil, in every size from 200 up to 1,000. Like literally the entire Pelican catalog. And the only pen people repeatedly asked to see was the Pelican Ocean Swirl, which is a special edition they launched. You know, it's sitting there amongst the Pelicans too. Uh, The regular stock lineup. So... Does the stock lineup continue to be a successful endeavor for Pelican? Is that their main source of income? I'd argue that yes. Uh, It's very important to them for new customers, continuing customers, gift and corporate customers. But in our world, you know, the online world, the the pen addict world, um, we want to know where the limited additions are. So the question I posed is, does Pelican want to sell you one or two pins over your lifetime, or do they want to sell you one or two pins a year? And what are the percentages of those sales? Like the one or two pins over a lifetime, is that 75% of their sales? Because that market is so huge that I just don't have scope of, or is it all the limited additions? Does that, that they churn through, you know, six or eight or 10 times throughout the year, does that take up 50 or 60% of their sales? I would wager not. Mm -hmm. So I'm confused on that. Like what is going to happen with a super big brand like Pelican who has a core lineup that never changes, right? When's the last time Pelican's introduced like new base level stripe pins? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a Pelican expert. I could probably ask Joshua and find out. So I don't know. Um, so that's the question I have around them that these are just things I'm like saying out loud because I don't have answers to. I assume the core product lineup obviously does very well for them in a lot of markets. Um, but I wonder if there will be a shift in that, you know, in the, in the near term on the other side of the coin, I talk about sailor and I wonder, do you even know what their stock lineup is? Are they purely limited in special editions? I mean, the answer is no. They have a stock lineup, but I couldn't name it for you. Like, I could name Pelican's stock lineup right now. You know, it's probably 50, 60, 80 pens. I can't tell you what Sailor's stock lineup is. 
is that important to them as a business? Do they only do these special releases now? I just... These are just things I'm asking out loud because I don't really have the answers for, but I find it interesting that two huge brands like that operate in very, very different ways, I think. Do you have any anything to say on these? I would expect that, and I've been trying to think of the analogy, but I can't think of it, but I know there is one, um, that the standard edition Pelicans, you know, and this is probably the same for a company like Mont Blanc too, the sale of those editions pay for everything else. So right. like that would be my expectation is the corporate and executive sales and the graduation presents and all that kind of stuff. Those pens, the standard ones that they sell, the black ones with the gold trim or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. uh, uh, they are, um, I would expect paying for the creativity that can occur in the limited editions. Cause I would yeah. expect for a company like Pelican or the size of Pelican that they considering they're seeming to do more of this sort of stuff now than they have before. Potentially my expectation is this is just people who are creative, who just want to make some beautiful pens and mm-hmm. they do these as a thing to sell to their kind of hardcore client. Um, mm-hmm. people like you right and right right they will and they'll just keep doing those and they charge probably a premium for them so it, it just you know because whatever why not but i would expect mm-hmm. that a lot of the cost that it, that is required for for this type of stuff is recouped by their kind of standard mm-hmm. edition their bread and butter yeah so this was the group where i had the the most questions and the least answers, right? I find and I find it extremely interesting what the future is going to hold for brand for the I big think, brands. I think a lot of them are not stupid. I think that's why this is happening. Yeah, right. They are except not Lamy. Stupid. Lamy's stupid. Lamy is question- <laughs> sorry. That Lamy was a, is that questionable was because the thing about <laughs> Lamy joking. is like they've always been a little bit more wild than the others anyway, <laughs> right? Like to begin with. Because yeah. they do special editions in certain countries and, you know, that they've always, they, I, for as long as I've known them, they've done some stuff. It's just they don't make special editions of their expensive pens. Yeah. They make special editions of the Safari or whatever, right? They Their right. special editions are way more frequent in their plastic pens than their Macrolon pens or whatever that, that material is right. called, you know? Right. Man. Um, but I, Can you I imagine I, if they expanded that Macrolon lineup. Good lord! Sorry, I assume that, I that there is a reason, and that reason is sure. maybe not wanting to dilute the specialness of the two thousand. Sure, I know. And again, this is the the big brands is also the perfect of example of I only see it through my eyes, right? Like I have no clue about how these brands operate worldwide. Um, you know, it, it's a certainly an, an interesting topic. And I think we're both right in that these, the, the Pelican example is, you know, that's a super healthy business for them. And that allows them to do the other fun things that pen addicts like to buy. So yeah, it's, it's good for all of us. So last topic I wrote about were pen shows and vintage pens. I kind of lumped those things together because vintage is really hard to purchase online. Like a pen show is a really good place to, to buy vintage. I think the pen show circuit will have uh, a mini reckoning here in the next five to 10 years where some shows are going to die out. Smaller shows are going to grow and new shows might pop up to take over some of these some of these fading away shows. I 
at some point that's got to happen. Um, we may see it, you know, this year is the telling year for DC. I mean, DC is not going to go away per se, but it might be a completely different show as soon as next year, depending on what happens. You know, I talked about how, you know, some of the traditional vendors are boycotting the show and, and not going to go to the show because, you know, the people who run the show are not really good at their jobs. LA has that kind of same problem. So are you going to see some, some churn in the pin show world? I kind of think so. Like, I think there's room, um, not today, but like in the next few years, there might be room for one or two like new style shows where it's not just a pin show. It's, it's the pin convention topic that we've talked about for years. Right. Um, I could see that happening like in a place like Philadelphia or Baltimore or Atlanta or things like that. So, you know, San Francisco is a prime example of a show that's, you know, really turned up the heat on these traditional shows and it's going to start cutting out, you know, some of the, some of the smaller, less well-run shows. So I see opportunities there. I actually see opportunity in vintage pins. If some of the vintage vendors would take the time, or we have some new vintage vendors come up that have an education front um, as the leading, the leading thing that they want to sell. Um, vintage pins are scary to a lot of people that listen to our show and you know that are newer into the industry because they just don't know a lot about them there's not a lot of information the information's hard to find or hard to digest and you have to go talk to people in person at pin shows to learn these things and not everyone can do that so there's an opportunity a real opportunity someone like jesse who's in the chat room and is on the byob podcast she's a huge esterbrook restorer she's like one of the most nicest people you'll meet she'll sit there and talk to you and tell you everything about these pens and that's why people shop with her because she makes it easy for you a lot of vintage vendors do not make it easy for you there's a massive opportunity for someone to come in and do vintage for the modern consumer and i I don't know if that's going to happen. I would love it to happen. I would support them every step of the way. I would go out of my way to do anything I could because we actually, we need this vintage market to continue on through our lifetimes. And I'm a little scared that it's not. And I'm not the person that can lead that charge. That's not my area of expertise, but there's a lot of people our age that are really into vintage pens. I just think there's a massive educational opportunity there for someone who wants to take that ball and run with it. We'll see. I, I, that's one of those things I hope will happen that I don't know will happen, but I would die to see that. I, that would be a great thing and it won't be easy because I, like I said, on selling that stuff online is super tough. If you could make a name for yourself in quality vintage pens and education of said pens i think you could you could uh you could do pretty well i agree with that actually yeah and i would love to shop with that person like i would i pay premiums for vintage pens that i know have been restored and come from someone i respect like martin ferguson um you know it's worth me buying, you know, $150 vacuumatic that I know is perfect and I can just take home and go than a $75 vacuumatic from some that's just laying on a table, you know, with, you know, ink stains and jacked up nibs that you don't know what's going to happen with that pen. So 
I, I, I don't know. I think there's a, there's an opportunity in both pin shows and vintage pins and, uh, we'll see what happens. I hope to see some changes in that too. So any last thoughts on this? I, I talked about this a lot more in refill, went into depth in depth on a lot of these topics. Um, and still only scratch the surface, right? That's like 10% of the conversation. And it's also skewed by my perception. Yeah, right? and, I don't and a lot have... of this is conjecture. Like, it's, sure. It's what we think. And, and that, that, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt. But I right. think that there are right. certain areas that we can't help but have paid a lot of attention to, you know, yep. um, especially around kind of the indie scene. Um, right, right. But that that's the big one for me. I think that we're going to see more of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we. I know that you're pretty. You seem pretty bullish on like more traditional retail. I'm less than mm-hmm. with, than you are on that. Like I think that it will it will change, but I don't think that mm-hmm. the the business is going to get bigger. I just think a lot of the old yeah. guard are going to go away. Um, it's far and away the scariest uh, traditional yes. retail is the scariest. I mean, if it wasn't scary, I would have opened a pin shop in Atlanta already. Of course you would have, right? But it, there, it, there is nowhere near the same like kind of risk-reward ratio than there is setting up a Kickstarter campaign, right, for right. a thing that you want to make. Mm-hmm. Plus, yep. the, the those businesses are just so different anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's it's inter- it's. I find it to be very interesting to look at the kind of the business and the economics of this. Um, mm-hmm. And again, like I'm keen to see where we are in the next few years. Yep. Um, overall picture is super positive though. I think, I mean, it's gotta be like this industry's growing. There's no stopping it. Um, you know, everything I read online, just in general business terms, sees growth in the stationary industry for the mm-hmm. next five years, sees it to be pretty solid just in the, the overall big picture. And uh, I'm glad we can bring some uh, some fun to it, Mike. Um, I love what I do. Uh, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I am. Y'all are stuck with me for the long haul, <laughs> especially you, Mike, your your host. Um, I absolutely love every minute of what i do and i'm gonna keep doing it um as as long as this industry will have me and i think that's gonna be a long time so i I look forward to the years to come do you want to wrap up on a couple of us tpa yeah so we actually have a bunch that i put in this doc and we're not going to get to all of them today but I'm going to put ink dependence on the spot next week with the rest of these ass TPAs that we don't get to. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm so, not going to be on next week's episode. Um, Brad's so Mike be, won't be here next week, but Mike will. So we're covered. Different Mike, P- please don't do that mm. to people. You're just breaking people's <laughs> brains at this point. <laughs> so yeah, let's hit a few of these and then we'll save the rest for next week. Um, because I'm, I'm gonna have a lot to talk to, uh, Mr. Ink dependence about. So, uh, Let's hit this one from Liz real quick. Is there such a thing as a good medium bold fountain pen for someone whose writing is real small and cramped? My dad can't stand a fine point and he has tiny writing, but I would love to find him a fountain pen. So this is kind of like an impossible question, but I do think there's an answer. You want a firm nib, right? So you don't want to buy, you want to buy a steel nib pen that from a company that is known to have firm nibs. Um, you could even do a gold nib if you did sailor like hard nibs. Um, but like something like a Pelican gold nib would be a terrible idea. 
for having a wide line but still consistently write small. So you want to look at something like Twisby, I think, has very firm nibs for the width of the pens. Um, Pilots, steel nibs, you know, you can get a great medium nib. That's a wonderful writer, you know, even in the in the Pilot Metropolitan. I think those are kind of the two I would look uh, I would look at for a wider nib that's still going to give you some control for writing small. So that that's where I would start. Uh, Sarah asked, does your daughter have a pen, pencil, and notebook picked out for tracking auction prices? So that was the, <laughs> I, I've talked about it a million times. That was one of the highlights of our trip to Raleigh last year was mm-hmm. the auction because it was the first time I'd sat through one and my daughter ended up loving it. Like I thought she would last like five minutes and she ended up never wanting to leave. So she does not yet. So we're going to work on that today. We're going to pick it out, uh, pick out her, her carry for this Uh, trip auction kit and, uh, the auction kit. So we'll get that taken care of today and we'll make sure we'll, we'll post it on Instagram, what she's going to use, but she'll probably track They provide a uh, tracking sheet actually. So you get a printout when you go to the auction right. that lists all the lots and the opening bid and the ending bids. And if they have a reserve, so she'll track it on there, but she will pick out her pen and pencil to, to use for her auction kit. So Alan wants to know what tool method do you use to get notified of new pen and stationary content on the web? Google awards, Alerts doesn't seem to work for me. Google Alerts is really sketchy. Um, I use it some, but I'm a hardcore RSS person. I am a big feed reader. You know, I am one of the biggest backers of any RSS service just because it makes my life easier. It makes my work easier. Um, How do you follow this, Mike? I mean, one of the good ideas is to follow some blogs like the well appointed desk and the gentleman stationer and gourmet pens who post links every year. Right. So, I mean, every week, <laughs> so you can go every year. That'd be a long time. That'd be a big post. Um, so every week they'll post a grouping of say 20 or 30 links to content that they enjoyed this week. So that's one way I personally just, and I bring in those, um, links to those articles through RSS. That's the way I go. Is there any other option you could recommend? I just follow Twitter accounts. I don't use RSS. Um, I don't use any type of news aggregation service. Mm-hmm. It's just what I see on Twitter. And I'm not even a Twitter yep. completionist. So things that I know the things that I miss, but I kind of got over that uh, a while ago. Yeah. So Twitter, you can create lists. So I don't have one now, but I used to have like a stationary list and you can just put in feeds from the blogs and things like that. Like I have a separate Twitter account that's pin underscore addict. That is only the RSS feed from the blog. So you subscribe to that and you see every, all the content that I create. And then you can make a list of all the other, you know, blogs and bloggers and just, you know, Twitter people who you want to follow and learn about those things. So I'm uh, all aboard the RSS train choo-choo and hopefully it does not go away anytime soon. All right. I want to hit one more Mike, which is a combination of three questions and we'll wrap it on this and then we'll save everything till next week. Cause we are in that gift giving time of year mm-hmm. and I get a lot of questions on that with graduation happening. So first one, Brian Hamilton, what's the best gift to give somebody that you're trying to get into fancy pens? Second one from Beware Ninja. What pen would you give as a congratulatory, congratulatory gift for a librarian who just got a great new job? And third one from Doc Krog. I got a couple friends I'm trying to buy a proper 
pin wedding present for. What's a good gift for a jazz trumpet player and a left-handed vet? That's very specific, Doc Krog. I love you for that. This would be their first nice pin experiences. Cartridge preferred. So I lumped all those together because you're kind of talking in the same grouping of answers for all three of these questions outside of the jazz trumpet player who if you can afford it dot crog mont blanc has a wonderful miles davis edition you should look into so that would be a pretty amazing uh <laughs> pretty amazing gift but as far as the best gift to give someone that you're trying to get into fancy pens it depends right it like I love the Twisby Eco and the Pilot Metropolitan, but I'm kind of probably not giving that for a gift pen. Like I'm probably going to like the Lamy Studio, um, something that's a little bit nicer, but doesn't break the bank. You know, the steel nib Lamy Studios are like $70, $80. They look beautiful. They write really well. I prefer the finer nibs on those. Like I stick with extra fine only. Um, those are really good. Um, then you can, depending on your budget, you can you can go up from there into you know a whole world of pens between one hundred and two hundred dollars. But I think like the best quality from someone who has has no idea about a pen, you can get some really nice Lamy pens. Even if it's not a fountain pen, the Lamy two thousand Rollerball and Ballpoint are real good. The Ball Lamy Ballt two thousand Ballpoint is one of my favorite Ballpoints, and it was like sixty seventy dollars. A fantastic pen. For the librarian, I, I want to say Pilot Vanishing Point, and I don't know why. I think it's just a good utility pen to take all around the library, take notes as you're walking around. It's got that retractable feel, but that may, that's not really a pen for everyone. That's not a pen for someone who's just getting into fountain pens. Um, maybe one of the lower-end Pelicans with the steel nibs, like the, the 200, 205 series um, for the librarian, something like that. Or you can... If your budget allows for it, getting something like really neat and cool, like a Franklin Kristoff, um, you know, barrel, something like that. Um, you know, I, you got any suggestions for the librarian? I, I'm not totally sure. No, I, one of my problems here is that with these questions, I feel like I'm, I don't recommend things as widely as you. Like my recommendations mm -hmm. typically seem to be very similar these days uh -huh. right yeah, like, yeah. Uh, because i have i feel like i can make a bunch of recommendations but i'm i don't really feel like i have anything specific for this one like i, I just don't really mm -hmm. think that i have something that can can really help yeah because i keep looking at the lamy studios even for doc Krog because they make a piano black uh lamy studio that's got this great polished black barrel which would be great for maybe the trumpet player um yeah, even I mean, the left maybe. even the left-hander I, you know, yeah. it's really, really hard. Like without a budget, what do you classify as a nice pen? You know, is, are we talking like a retro 51, like rollerball? Like that's an extraordinarily nice pen for a lot of people. Are we talking about like a Lamy studio in the $80 range? Or are we looking at like a pilot custom 912? That's like $200. That's just a beautiful, like wedding present pen. So it's a, it's a super tricky to answer these questions. That's why I kind of wanted to talk through. And a lot of my answers are the same. Like I really recommend the Lamy studio a lot for gifts because it, it ticks a lot of boxes for gift expectations, right? Like you're probably not going to go wrong if that's the kind of thing you want to do. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've, I've been trying to rack my brain for like something that I feel would mm-hmm. be design specific, like for a mm-hmm. librarian. Like, can I think of a pen that has words on it or something? Yeah. Right. And, and I can't really well, think of anything. Well, like some of the Retro 51s, like the Retro 51 Cursive or some of the Retro 51, like Metalsmith Historic type things, those would be great for librarians. Um, and they make fountain pen models of those as well. So, you know, that's a that's kind of a cool like theme, theme look, if you will. So, yeah, it it, it really just depends. Like it's super hard to answer these questions. So that's why I, I lumped them all together just to go through and give a few ideas out. So... You know, and if you're in it also, it's very budget dependent, right? Mm-hmm. Under $100 is one category. 100 to $200 is like a million different types of pens. Like it would be impossible to narrow down, you know, mm-hmm. but there's good stuff everywhere and I'm glad to help you out. So if you have very, if you want to get even more specific on those answers, where can they find me, Mike? You can send tweets to Brad. He's at Dowdyism on Twitter, but also you can send in questions to us with the hashtag AskTPA and they'll go into a spreadsheet for us to pick later. Um, you can also find us uh, on uh, our show notes is where you can find a bunch of information. Go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 310 for today's show notes. Brad is also on Instagram. He's penaddict. I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E on all social networks. You can find Brad's amazing products over at knock.co and I want to extend our thanks again to Away for their support of this episode. Um, and of course, thank you for listening. I'll be back in two weeks. Brad will be back next week with a special guest. Um, Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.